Good morning to you all. Great to see you. And uh, as Ian says, we um, just want to kind of extend that um, invitation, please. If I haven't had a chance, we haven't had a chance to speak to you guys yet. We've, we've only been around here, I guess, uh, six weeks or something like that. And I'm looking around the room. I think we've spoken to most people. But if if I haven't had a chance to speak to you directly, then please um, introduce yourselves. It would be um, lovely to get to know you um, better. Um, it's very obvious who we are. Uh, we've got myself and, and Leslie and our three kids, entirely ginger family. And, uh, so it's, it's not hard to see which children are ours. Uh, uh, but please, please uh, do introduce yourself. Um, here we are in Glasgow Grace, at, and we're at kind of the early stages, I suppose, in, 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 in church and life, and the life of this church. And, uh, and as I was praying um, and, and thinking about uh, this morning and what, what to bring, I, I was kind of led to think about the places in Scripture where God does a new thing. Or he, 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 you know, he sets his people off in a new direction. Uh, and it occurred to me that actually that, that might be quite helpful for us um, at this stage, um, this kind of formative period in our history as a church. But I suppose it's not just that, isn't it? That actually there's a sense in which um, as individuals we're always kind of constantly being led into new things. Sometimes literally we kind of face new challenges in life, things come along that we haven't encountered before and we, we're kind of looking for the wisdom of God in these moments. Uh, and you know sometimes you know, and you might be in this posi- position this morning where where you, you you're kind of you've known Jesus for a long time, but you kind of feel in, in just in recent times that you're getting to know him in a new way. There's a new sense of of, of your relationship developing with him, or or maybe actually just you feel that you're just at the beginning of getting to know him completely. Um, but we're all all of us in in, in different ways. Are, are, are at new points in our lives um, all the time. And, and so this morning we're going to have a look at a part, a very famous part of, of, of Scripture where God is doing uh, a new thing uh, with his people. We're going to look at the Old Testament and we're going to look at Joshua chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, then perhaps you can turn there. If not, don't worry, I'm going to read out from this chapter. Um, it, probably useful to give you a little bit of context before we do read though. Uh, so, so what's happened in, in, in the kind of story, that kind of grand narrative of the Old Testament to this point is that God's people have been in slavery in Egypt and uh, they've, they've kind of served an evil king, Pharaoh. And, and he has kind of defined their lives and he's told them, you know, today you're going to make bricks and today you're going to rest and today you're going to do this. And their entire existence is kind of defined by this evil king. And God, through Moses, gloriously breaks in and rescues them out of that place of slavery and takes them through the Red Sea, a kind of baptism, I suppose. And they're out on the other side and they see The people that have enslaved them all these years lying dead on the sides, on the shores of this river. And they are are out from that place of slavery. And you think, great, at that moment you think, great, this is is it, This this is the happy ending to the story. But it's a little bit more complicated than that, as it always is. 
Because what uh, what happens is that the, the, the people of God kind of travel north to the land that God has promised to give them, but they refuse to enter the land because it's filled with, with other people and fortified cities. And they look at themselves and they say, how can we take this land? How can we beat these amazing nations? And God's saying, no, 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 I'll be with you. And they say, oh, yeah, I know you're, oh, I kind of know, but oh, how can we do it? And, and, and so in the end, they do not go in. And, and as a consequence of that wrong decision, they spend 40 years kind of wandering around in the wilderness. And we realize in that moment that actually that slavery can have more than one feature. That you can be enslaved to external things. You know, you can be oppressed by things outside of yourself that are holding you down in life. But there is also the sense that actually there is a slavery that is within. A slavery to our own passions, our own appetites, our own desires, our own unbelief. Perhaps even our lack of ability to believe God when he is saying something. And as a consequence of that, it's actually interesting that God is able to take them out from under the hands of the evil king much more easily than he's able to get them to believe him and take them out from that internal slavery. And of course, after wandering for 40 years, they come back to where they were when they refused to enter the promised land. Moses, by this stage, has just recently died and God comes to speak to Joshua, the new leader. The day, or the night, or a few days before, they're gonna cross over. Now, by this stage, they are a nation of several million people. So this is, this is an incredible moment in the history of God's people when they're about to step in to the promises of God, step in to do the things that they're always supposed to have done. Walk in the promises that God has got for us. And this passage has been used by Christians down the centuries to think about that moment where, where we step in to what God has got for us. So let's see what it says to us this morning. So this is Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read the whole, or almost the whole chapter, um, just to get a sense of what's happening here. Okay, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore now, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, Toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all that the law, all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it. Turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan to go and take possession of the land that the Lord God is giving to you. And to the Reubenites, and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, John, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you with a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives and your little ones, your livestock, shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, and all the men of valor among you shall pass over, armed before your brothers, and shall help them. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they shall take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. What a brilliant part of the Bible. Okay, so what wisdom does this chapter offer us at this stage in our church family life, but also perhaps us as individuals in this moment to step into new things and all that God has for us? Well, preparing the provisions, possessing the promises. Um, I want to have a look at three in particular provisions that it seems to me that God has put in this passage for us. And the first is the provision of truth. An amazing moment when God speaks to Joshua and he says, I mean, in quite an abrupt way, you might think, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. He tells him the truth and he tells him in quite a, quite a matter-of-fact way. Now, uh, we, we like our kind of euphemisms in, in our culture. You know, it's, 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 it's rare that actually, you know, we, we would have, have something, you know, Moses has, has passed on. Moses has <laughs> gone over to the other side. You know, we, we, would, we would have had another way, surely, of saying that, trying to kind of soften the blow of this moment. And it's, it's fascinating that God begins with a fairly blunt statement of the truth. 
that we need to imagine ourselves inside the story to understand perhaps why God would be just blunt and upfront with Moses. Moses, uh, in, in, the, in the previous, at the end of the previous book, uh, when he was going to be with God at the end of his life, he went up a mountain. God said, "You know, come up the mountain, and you know, you, I'll take you." And um, and the thing is that that's not the first time that Moses went up a mountain. In fact, throughout his throughout his life, Moses was always going up mountains, and and, and generally speaking, he came back down again. And, and, and actually often the Israelites got themselves into desperate problems because they didn't wait for him to come back down the mountain. You know, he was up the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and they were all sitting at the bottom of the mountain thinking, well, he's never coming back. What will we do? And it was from that kind of a misunderstanding that they, they, they made the golden calf and they built an idol and they got themselves into all kinds of difficulties. So knowing what is actually going on, it's, it's amazingly helpful. It's a kindness that, that God is, is, is offering to Joshua to be clear with them that actually this time Moses is not coming back. That, that, that season, that season that you had where you were following Moses around is over. He is dead and he is not coming back. That is amazingly helpful if you are about to lead two million people into a new land, knowing that you're going to face battles and struggles along the way. It's very, very important to have that clarity of where you are and where you're not. That you, this is your moment to lead. This is your moment to step forward. The guy that you have been following to this point isn't around anymore. So this is your moment. You're going to lead. Truth, the clarity that comes through truth is amazingly helpful. And this was a huge, this clarity that comes through truth is a huge part of my own story in coming to faith. For, for many years, when I look back in my life, I, I, I became a Christian when I was 20. And for many years... Uh, before that, when I look back, um, I was aware that in my life there were many things that were wrong. There were many things that um, I didn't like about myself. There were many things that I had tried to stop doing. I tried to kind of pick up better habits and, and kind of get rid of bad ones and and I, I, I would speak, I, I used to speak to people about this and ask them, you know, I'd say to them, you know, I know that you might think I'm not a very nice person. And, and it was amazing the, the way people responded to that. Because often, typically what they would do is they would say, Phil, you're a great guy. You're, you're, you're a lovely, you know, I've always thought you're a lovely guy. And, and they would try to kind of cheer me up. You know, don't be so down on yourself. And, and I, would, I would sit there thinking, actually, you don't, you don't really know anything about my life. And, and more than that, you're not really taking me seriously as a person. I'm telling you that I am struggling. I'm telling you that my life is a mess. And, and the best you can offer me is kind of a fairly kind of bland and non-specific 
you know, patting the back. And, and, and when I met Christians, this was, this was the thing more than anything, I think, that transformed my life. They were the first people I had ever met who leveled with me, who were just prepared to tell me the truth. And I said to them, do you know, I'm not a very nice person. And I'll never forget one man in particular who responded, he said, yep, you're probably not. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. But that was the beginning of him explaining to me, actually, I'll tell you what you are. You are a slave to sin. That's what you are. But Jesus can set you free. And this is the thing about truth. That it actually, it it gives people dignity. You know, in in our our culture of of, of positive psychology, that in a funny kind of way, we don't, we don't treat people as fully human. We kind of treat them as, as, as just mere victims of, of, of their past or, or of, you know, or, or, or almost kind of uh, medical cases. You know, you're like, yeah, but actually to call some, you know, no, this is sin. This is wrong. But there is an answer. It's a, it's, it's a liberating thing. You will know the truth. Jesus said, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The provision of truth. There is about, as Ian will know, there's about another three pages on that, but we're just going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) The provision of truth. The second thing that I want you to notice is the provision of presence the provision of presence God says to Joshua just as I was with Moses so I will be with you in exactly the same way as I was with Moses I will also be with you again it's only when we think ourselves inside the story that we can appreciate the scale of what is being said here. Joshua had spent his life following Moses around. He had seen what Moses had done in Egypt when the plagues had come at his command. I mean, let's just stop for a second. We can read over these verses very easily. Imagine that. Imagine you're hanging around with a guy whose words seemed to have that kind of power. Imagine you were standing about six feet away from the guy who held the staff out over the sea and it split in two. I mean, imagine you were there. Imagine you were there in the valley fighting away against the Amalekites and you saw this man up on the hillside praying for you. And when his hands went up to pray, 
the battle was easy and when they dropped, when he was tired, you were overwhelmed. Imagine this man. Imagine, imagine you'd, you'd, you'd stood beside him in the tent of meeting when, when this man went in and spoke to God face to face. Which is what we learn in Exodus that Joshua did. Imagine you were that close. And then God said, that man is dead. I don't know about you, I'd be a bit concerned <laughs> at that moment. Be looking around, who else? Who else is coming? There's two million people back there, God. I'd be worried. And in that context, God says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I tell you what that reminds me of. That reminds me of the disciples hanging out with Jesus. I mean, they were there when that, that blind guy, his eyes opened. Here's the thing. This is the promise that he will be with us. The Spirit will be with us just as he was with Jesus. This is a truth that is hidden in plain sight. Like my car keys. <laughs> you don't have that problem? Yes. I've looked everywhere. And then your wife comes in and says, that's in there. <laughs> This is, this is not a truth that is, that is, this is not something that God is wanting to hide from us in the Bible. This is everywhere. So I'm just going to, just going to read a few verses for you. John 14. Okay, this is what Jesus says to his disciples just before, in, in, the, in the Last Supper. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you, don't read over it, think about it. But you will see me. You will see Jesus. And in that day, when you see me, you will know 
that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Now that's the kind of verse you just think, I've got no idea what that means. <laughs> I'm reading on. <laughs> but here's what it seems to be saying. It seems to be saying that part of what Jesus died to achieve is that we would be caught up in the very nature of God and that he, the creator of the universe, would in some sense come to live within us. What about this verse? I'll let you think about that for the next 40 years. What about this verse? Romans 8, Paul's writing to the churches. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's a lovely verse. And we read it and we think, lovely. But let's just, just read a little bit more slowly. If the, sp- if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Okay, now the, the assumption is, in, in Paul's argument, is that it does. You know, he does. The Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Imagine you were, imagine you were a disciple. I mean, and you saw, you saw him die. We've established that. You followed him around for three years and then you watched him die. You were shattered. All your, all your hopes. I thought this. I thought this was going to be. I've given up everything for this, and and then you saw him alive. What? I mean, I watched you. I watched you die. And here you are, alive. What? What could have done this? What power could have achieved this? That a man who was dead could be alive again. That would be the same spirit that lives in you. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Just as I was with Jesus, so I will be with you. You know, you put these things together and you know, sometimes I think we pray for the wrong things in in church, you know, we 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 pray for blessing. Often, bless them, Lord. It's interesting that Paul, Paul just tells the church, "You are blessed." Past tense, you're blessed. Yeah. You know, we we pray that we would not have trouble in life. You make it easy for him, Lord. Jesus tells his disciples. In this life, you will have trouble. 
What an interesting message. Don't hear that often, do you? In, in this life, you'll have trouble. Come on, Lord, just, just take all the trouble away. In this life, you'll have trouble. But you are blessed. We, we pray for healing. Peter tells a beggar, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. It's interesting that, isn't it? Maybe he knew who was in him. Maybe he knew the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lived within him. You see, I think if we really knew that, it would change everything. Absolutely everything. The third provision, very quickly, is the provision of friendship. Provision of truth, provision of the spirit, and the provision of friendship. There's this little bit that I read at the end of that first that chapter in, in Joshua that you probably thought, what's that all about? Well, what it's all about is the fact that some of the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, had actually found their land, their place of inheritance, on the east side of the Jordan. And, and the rest of the tribes were on the west. And so Joshua said to these tribes, he said, look, I know that you've already come into your promised land. You already have your, you know, your dream. But make sure, make sure that you also cross the Jordan and fight for your brothers and sisters. And once they have theirs, then you can go back and enjoy the land that God has given to you. This, I think, is a wonderful picture of the church. Because you see, in this room, you see, we're, in a sense, we're all in a church. You spend your life trying to work this stuff out, don't you? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I'm up here preaching away. But, but, but the reality is, I will spend the rest of my life trying to get my head around what Jesus has done for me. And so will you. That's the truth. Because the scale of it is so enormous that when you think you have it, it just gets bigger again. <laughs> and actually, I, I get really concerned. Sometimes some, the way some people preach and the way sometimes people present theology, it gives you the sense that they feel that they've kind of bottomed it out. So, you know, I've wrapped this all up, I've put it in a nice systematic volume, <laughs> and here it is. Learn it, and you'll be fine. And I can think, ooh, I'm not sure I want to worship a God that I can completely get my head around. I mean, I have a very limited intellect, as anyone in my family will tell you. <laughs> And any God that I can fully understand, I guarantee you, is not worth worshipping. <laughs> we'll spend our lives, we'll never get to the end of this. And, and here, here's something that's also true, that the different one of, ones of us will, will have greater understanding than others in certain places. Isn't that true? It's yeah. community. Yeah. 
Some of us will have found a little corner of the promised land. I think, yeah, yeah, I get that. I really get And you do, you do come across people like that. You think, wow, you've really got this serving thing down. You are just awesome. You see, you've got that perspective. And then some people you come across and you just think, wow, what a gracious woman. Or you see, what are you amazing with your kids? I'd love to. Joshua says that he says it's your responsibility still to cross over and fight for your brothers and sisters. In other words, bring your strength and come with us on this journey. I know that you've got a place that you could be happy. But there's a bigger vision. If you would just take what God has given you and bring it to the table, bring it, bring your strength to the family, then who knows what God could do? You see, no, no, there's no one of us who has it all. Okay. If you have it all, then please, if you feel you have it all, please speak to me afterwards and I will I'll give you a healthy dose of blunt truth. <laughs> please speak to me, if that's the case. Um, you, no, what, no, and that's, that's the way it's supposed to be. Because we're a body and not, Paul says, you know, what if we were all an eye? What if we were all a hand? What if we were all a foot? It would be a really cracking foot. Beautiful foot. You know, I mean, gosh, I'd love a foot like that. <laughs> I think some of the ugliest feet you'll ever see. <laughs> but we'll just be a foot. And we're supposed to be a body. So the provision of truth, the provision of presence, the provision of friendship, and together we cross over into all that God has got for us. Personally, into the new things that God has, and together as a family. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for what you are calling us to do. Lord, to, to be people not of the wilderness, but of the promised land. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the the true Joshua. You are the one at the head of this family leading us over the Jordan into all that you have done for us. Lord, I want to live in the good of your sacrifice. I don't want to live my life burdened by condemnation when you tell me there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't want to think of myself as a grasshopper with giants in the land when you tell me I am a child of God and that your spirit lives within me. I don't want to live my life hoping that one day you'll bless me when I am already blessed with every spiritual blessing Father help us to be people who are anchored in the truth who know 
your presence, the intimacy of your presence with, with us. And help us to be a people committed to each other. Yes. Prepared, as we read in this story, to fight <coughs> and, and even to die for the good of the whole. That we may inherit all that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.